What's up, everybody? I'm Justin Maytack here with my sister, Melissa McCack. Hey, hey, everybody. And we are joined by a special guest, a game designer, Alex Esten from Brick and Brack Games. Uh, hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, thank you very much for, for having me here. Of course. And we are Room 51, a podcast where we talk about all things board gaming. Today, we're doing a roll for thought where we're going to talk a bit about game design and how one becomes a game designer and what drives somebody to become a game designer. So, Alex, since you are the uh, game designer here, would you be all right starting <laughs> us off? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, uh, I think it's uh, it's definitely uh, a, a journey as much as it is a uh, destination. Um, uh, you know, I feel like uh, the, the, the term imposter syndrome, I think, is is very... Uh, valid and, and appropriate to, to okay. use here. Um, you know, you never quite feel like you're you're going down the right path, but um, you know, I, I guess once you start, you know, putting a product out there and people seem to, you know, connect to it, I, I think that tends to kind of you know validate the idea that you know, yes, you can call yourself a game designer, and uh, it's it's been a wild ride so far for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I know that. Believe it, yeah. Uh, me and Justin, we we come up with ideas all the time, and I'm sure many people in the board gaming hobby do. Of like, oh, we could create a game like this, and then we'll even start. We'll start like kind of coming up with what the game will look like, how it'll play, and then it just sort of fizzles. We stop. <laughs> we give up yeah. for whatever reason, uh, and we. <laughs> We leave it on the back burner for a long while. And I was wondering if you ever had this sort of, I guess, phenomenon uh, happen to you. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, sorry, I got to turn my phone over here because uh, uh, we just funded. Oh, like, sweet. Literally oh, just live on the podcast. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, funny you should mention like the, the you know, start and stop kind of aspect to it because I've always been uh you know very creative um you know throughout my life uh you know fiction writing poetry you know stuff like that and I've always tended to have those starts and stops almost every single time I try to do anything um I ended up doing much more like you know short uh form uh you know creative writing where you just do a short story you know three to four pages and that's it because anything longer and it's tougher to sustain you know the time and the effort you know needed for it um and so it's interesting from, from a board game design perspective that uh i've been able to much more easily sustain uh you know that effort you know as i go um and i think it probably has a lot to do with the fact that as a board game, you're immediately going to have something very tangible, something very physical that you can have, you know, right, uh, you know, right in front of you on a table, on a kitchen table, doesn't matter. Um, and so you, you're, you're, it's much easier to, uh, you know, see the results of, you know, that effort. And, you know, speaking of, of ideas, uh, I'm not sure if you'd be impressed or horrified by the, uh, <laughs> The ideas document that I've got, you know, floating around in my, uh, you know, in my cloud storage at this point, because one thing that I've learned over the years is when you've got an idea, you've got to at least jot down, you know, enough to one jog your memory later when you go back and reread it, 
and two, just make sure it's in you know detailed enough that the idea you know comes across. You hear horror stories of people you know waking up in the middle of the night and scrolling something down on on a notepad you know by their bed, and then they go back to it the next day and realize they wrote like four words <laughs> and is completely like incoherent. Um, and so it's 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 a challenge and it to to you know keep I, I guess keep that discipline maybe you know we, we've got uh multiple follow-up games uh in development um right now um uh not to stray too far off the path but uh mm. our our follow-up game is going to be called uh death man is dead which is actually <laughs> based on well not based on but inspired by uh this movie mystery men that came out back in the the 90s you know about loser superheroes basically and um, the premise for this card game is uh, Deathman, this supervillain, has died. And uh, all the players are basically wannabe supervillains trying to be as evil as possible and out-evil each other to assume the you know, Deathman mantle, basically. It's That's been a... a cool concept. Yeah, that is right? kind of cool. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I see it playing a, a, like a combination of uh, Gloom, Boss Monster and Cards Against Humanity. So it's definitely a lighter party game, I think, than, you know, the Black Brick. But, you know, so we've got that in the pipeline. Space Cat Adventures. uh, Just a lot, you know, going on. But, you know, like you said, you know, keeping that ideas document healthy is is clutch and it's it's yeah sorry i'm kind of rambling here oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 you're good. that's awesome yeah no that's uh, so with that i mean i'm sure how what would you say is the ratio of ideas that you jot down to ideas that you actually try to implement into a game like for every 10 ideas you tr- actually wind up trying to implement one into a game like what what would you guess the ratio is i think i think it comes down to whether the concept and idea can actually translate into a game format and if it's fun to play basically like if after the first two play tests a game concept isn't really catching fire with you know our internal group or even some of our, you know, friends and, and family and all, we kind of will put a pin in it and push it off to the side. But in terms of what we've been messing around with so far, uh, I would venture probably about forty percent, you know, from the ideas on paper to things that we feel like, you know, other people would absolutely enjoy playing. Um, there's a there's a blurb in our about us on the uh, Kickstarter page. Where you know we we try to create you know compelling gameplay experiences, but most importantly you know it's all about amusing our own twisted senses of humor, and and I feel like that holds true. You know if we find something to be hilarious or entertaining, that's generally when we'll you know really pursue it. And I would say yeah, about forty percent of everything that we've got on paper, uh, we would we would typically pursue. Yeah, you know, there are a few clunkers in the ideas doc that I don't think we'll ever really. Uh, be at a point where we'll, we'd be able to 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 go. A couple of board games, card games, a few digital, you know, some video games here and there. Uh, really, licensing would be the the biggest challenge for some of it. Uh, I would love to do a Gummy Bears uh, 2D platformer uh, huh. in the vein of like you know Three Dirty Dwarves or Trine, uh, where you swap between three different 
you know, kinds of characters. I do have a Superman 3D action game, uh, you know, design doc floating around because, you know, Superman has been done dirty by video games <laughs> for, for the entirety of his existence. So, um, you know, some stuff like where you just like got to shoot for the moon and hope for the best. So, you know, it's a long shot for, for those, but what we're focusing on right now is the stuff that we, we do feel passionate about and we, we do feel that would be part of that, you know, 40% amount. Awesome. It sounds like it also, it takes a lot of energy at the end of the day to do these sort of things because you could have the creativity, but not necessarily, well, sometimes the time, but the energy to really get it done because a lot of times you're working a job or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. And then you're coming home and it's like, okay, and now I got to design this game. I have to and then it, it goes beyond just designing the game, right? Because now, okay, I have to get it play tested. I have to revise and then play test it some more. And then the rule book and all these things, so many things go into it. And then even uh, the business side of it. Yeah. And you're on Kickstarter right now, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Black Brick, you just said, right? It just currently uh, funded, which is super, super awesome. Yeah. And super happy to hear that. I was wondering what was sort of your thought process behind the black brick. First of all, I, I was watching, you know, some of the stuff, you know, the video that you sent me about like how the combat system works. And mm-hmm. I was reading on uh, Kickstarter what the game's sort of about. Yeah. Why is it called the black brick? <laughs> so um, there, there are actually two parts to to this answer. Uh, okay. One is the the goofy Lego D and D like variant mm. that the okay. game kind of started as, and then the other is the kind of narrative hook, the, you know, the mm-hmm. MacGuffin, I guess. Um, so the the MacGuffin uh, is there's this chunk of obsidian deep within the abyss of a haunted castle, and the king has tasked your party with retrieving that for him. Um, you know, he, he's honored you with the glory of being able to serve him, basically. Um, so, so in terms of the, the narrative MacGuffin, you know, the black brick actually refers to, you know, the mystic obsidian rune that your party is questing after, you know, throughout the game. Um, but it also came from the fact that, uh, all of our prototyping and play testing initially, uh, was all done with Lego. All the concept work was done with Lego because, yeah. um, it's basically what we have hanging around all of our houses. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got bins and bins full of old, you know, Lego toys that I had as a kid. Somehow I've actually held on to them over the years. Go figure that. <laughs> um, and uh, it turned out that, you know, using Lego for the prototyping and concept work uh, was a great idea because it allowed us to iterate very quickly, uh, both on character designs, um, pacing, um, just getting the sheer physicality of the game down. Um, it worked really, really well. And there was a span of time, I would say about four and a half months between when we were, we were originally calling the game The Black Brick from the very beginning. And then recently, I think since July of last year, where we circled back to the name, there was a working title that we had within a couple of months there because we weren't sure what was going to happen with the overall theme of the game, the name, whatever. But then thankfully, once we had 
our legal team kind of fall into place when we started having those conversations like, okay, well, what can we do? What can we, you know, what shouldn't we do? Da, 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 da. We all kind of realized like, Hey, okay. So we can use, you know, the name of the black brick and we kind of circle back to that. And really it was, it was a, a great, a great thing that happened for us because the black brick is very catchy. I love how eye catching the, the logo is. I love how eye catching the actual title itself is. It just it really all kind of kind of came together uh, for a bit of a roundabout rambling kind of answer, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome actually. I find it very cool that you guys uh, use Legos for prototyping. I know that whenever I've had ideas of a game, it was always like, how do I even go about doing this? And I was just reading, and I sadly closed it out. I had your Kickstarter open. I think it said, what was it, like 160 or 200 ability cards. Yeah. How do you know about prototyping the ability cards? <laughs> Coming up uh, with also yeah, for, 200 yeah. ability cards. I go, yeah. I go nuts just prototyping like 20 cards. Yeah, go crazy. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's funny because it, it kind of hooks into uh, an article that I actually read recently. Uh, there was an interview or an article about um, a fledgling game designer. I, I read a piece of the excerpt to my wife, and she's like, wow, that, that sounds like you. I'm like, I know, right? Because <laughs> um, basically, uh, I had a lot of time on my hands in, in early, mid-2017, uh, because being in IT for as long as I have, IT in the Philadelphia area especially can be very tumultuous and so companies get acquired layoffs happen so i had a nice chunk of time over one summer to really just burn through you know all the prototyping for the cards themselves and what this article has said was basically hey you know whatever you find yourself doing at that third or fourth month of unemployment that's basically what you should be doing through and through and so i came to realize you know okay i'm i'm literally handwriting 200 ability cards, you know, blank poker size cards, you know, and I was fully invested basically in, in this game design kind of process. So, you know, the biggest reason that I was able to really crank through um, these 200 ability cards was I had a lot of time on my hands and uh, housed myself basically. So it, it was, it was a opportunity kind of just, synced up really well with uh with my schedule there um in terms of the inspiration for the ability cards uh i played a lot of the first diablo and a lot of the first guild wars way back when it came out um so so just as an aside uh blizzard entertainment i guess has had a big impact on my my gaming life just in general um because a bunch of the former blizzard guys all connected and you know formed the arena net which then you know they released guild wars um, and so what, what Guild Wars did really well was um, it was a team-based MMO, essentially. Um, and in that game, they had hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of unique spells and abilities for six to, what, eight, maybe nine different classes by the end of the, the first game. And so going into the Black Brick, um, I think we all and myself especially, we all kind of realized that, you know, while the game started as just like a leg, a goofy Lego D&D &D variant, um, we always kind of knew that 
we wanted this ability card system. You know, we wanted some customization. We wanted players to kind of really pick and choose which abilities they wanted to take into any particular encounter. And that really came out of the, the Guild Wars uh, style of gameplay where you had hundreds of skills, but only eight slots that you could use at any given time. And so that, I think, informed a lot of the overall design process. I think that informed a lot of the, you know, the gameplay structure that we were kind of looking to, to, to pursue. And, uh, you know, throughout the course of it, um, you know, some character classes popped up in the initial versions of the game. Uh, then we actually had to uh, revise them and kind of retrofit their abilities into other classes. But overall, thankfully, I mean, what you see in the Kickstarter, what you see in the ability cards themselves, I would say represents about 80% of what we had in the original, original concept for the game, even down to the card rotation cooldown mechanic. It, you don't, I guess you don't realize how much has actually, like how much of your original vision really still holds true until you really start thinking about it. And it's been, it's been absolutely magical, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I w- I'm curious because I know that playtesting is a huge part of game design as well. And it's mm-hmm. probably one of the more important uh, aspects. How do you go about just getting playtesters? Um, so initially, we basically pulled from our close friends who we knew that they would give us completely brutally honest feedback. You know, I think a lot is said about, oh, well, you want to make sure that, you know, the people playtesting your game aren't going to be, they're not going to pull any punches or, or whatever. Um, and thankfully, the the initial group of playtesters that we had, uh, all very experienced, both war gamers, um, tabletop dungeon crawlers, um, you know, they knew what they were doing. They knew what to look for. They knew what they liked, and so the the initial batch of playtesters that we had uh, were were hardcore gamers that we've known for years. After the I would say first five, maybe six playtests uh, over a couple of months, we then started bringing it out into um, a couple of you know local game stores in the Philly area. A couple of uh, personal connections hooking us up with other groups um, outside of Philly. And uh, and that was where we started to think, you know, okay, so the friends like the game. We're getting some good feedback from basically complete strangers. And uh, and then at that point, I believe uh, we're in the months leading up to PAX Unplugged. We had been working with our graphic designer for four months at that point. Um, the art was all coming together. And so approaching PAX Unplugged, we figured, all right, now's the time to, you know, throw the game out there completely and start seeing what people, uh, you know, people think of it. You know, we, we took a, we got a lot of good feedback. We, we integrated a lot of suggestions into the game. Uh, it absolutely made it way better, way smoother. Um, we were kind of iterating on the card designs themselves, just making sure that everything was clear or as clear as possible, you know, for, for uh, you know, information and everything. And, you know, certain aspects of the game really raised eyebrows. The, uh, the rotating initiative system, 
which we call First Blood, has gotten a lot of really good um, feedback and attention. People really like it because apparently, I guess it's not too often that you see a rotating initiative system mm-hmm. um, in a tabletop dungeon crawler. I know that Gloomhaven has a you know the split card kind of uh, you know initiative rating, but it always seems to completely vary. So you're you're never really able to to consistently know what to expect in terms of which character is going to act first, second, third, fourth. Um, and so, you know, the initiative system really kind of got people's attention. The art style was very eye-catching. People really seemed to connect to that. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's playtesting, um, you know, started out as a very small core group of people. And as we became more and more confident that, hey, we maybe actually do have something on our hands, you know, let's start branching out. You know, you hit that second and third and fourth, you know, circle ring of your your playtesters. And after uh, a couple of months worth of, you know, second, third, fourth ring playtesting, we brought it back to the first ring to get updated feedback from that core initial group of playtesters and uh they really liked a lot of the changes that had been made one of the big changes actually uh and and i'll have to show you guys some of the pictures uh early on the early playtests for this game uh we we were still using a grid-based combat system so you know you'd have your little lego minifigs and you move them you know a couple spaces here and there you make your attacks play ability cards whatever and it was fun, absolutely. Um, you know, we're all kind of strategy RPG fans at heart. Um, but you know, when it came down to it, you know, setup time for a grid-based 32 inch by 32 inch battle board got to be a bit long. Yeah. And so uh, after some of the the playtesting there, we we stripped the game down to a card-based format, very almost identical to what you see in the Kickstarter now and the the gameplay. Uh, footage that I, I showed Melissa and uh, you know our our core ring of playtesters absolutely loved the the card based version of the game um, you know some of them I think still miss being able to just play with Lego you know during a, a tabletop <laughs> game yes um, but you know but but taking the feedback and then and then bringing it back into the the core rings you know really helped us kind of I guess personally validate uh, the direction of the game. So yeah, playtesting was is it's a process to be sure. Requires a lot of energy, a lot of commitment, a lot of time, a lot of you know burning the shoe leather, so to speak. You know, making connections and it, it was funny because one of the one of the running jokes within the team was um, two two bars in particular, um, a tuned up brewing company in Spring City, Pennsylvania and uh, Stowe's Bar in Old City, Philadelphia, were essentially our offices outside the office. Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, you go there, you, you bring a laptop, you, you, know, you have a beer and some, some wings or whatever, and you just start going through whatever spreadsheet that you've been, you know, wrestling with. And so, you know, every so often you find a really good spot to either play test or do some market research. And... It, it, it's it's very cool that you know game design is it, absolutely a, a community effort you know and uh what we found is is it's absolutely a community effort without a doubt yeah so i think from all that i've learned here today is 
You create a game by drinking a beer and playing with Legos. That's what you uh, do? Yeah. Yeah, entirely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, where can people find you? Where, where can they uh, back your game? All that good stuff. So, yeah. Um, uh, you can find us on Kickstarter. Obviously, search for the Black Brick. It, it, the page should come up pretty much immediately. If you search uh, for the Black Brick on Google, we are on the first page of Google search results. You just got to scroll down past this Chinese restaurant in Miami, apparently, uh, which is called the Black Brick. It's At some point, I've got to go there because I've got to experience the Black Brick Chinese restaurant in Miami. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, the Kickstarter page would be uh, a couple of links down after those initial search results. You can find us on Instagram at uh, Brickabrack Games. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Brickabrack Games. Um, I'm probably forgetting one or two spots here and there, but um, that's that's pretty much the the majority of where we kind of stomp around online. So. All right, cool. Awesome. Thank you. This has been another Roll for Thought. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa McCack. Let us know what you think. Have you been designing a game? Tell us about it. You've been listening to Room 51.